Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Maria Morgan. So you're exhausted, feeling burned out, spinning around and around, having trouble sleeping? Certainly common these days. Tonight's Closer Look guest is an author, a wife, a mom, and a medical doctor. She focuses on teaching the importance of a little thing called rest. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, welcome to Closer Look. Thanks for having me. What is rest? You you looked at the science behind it and found that it's a lot more than sleeping or sitting still. Absolutely. And I think that's where we have to begin because for many people, we use the words sleep and rest interchangeably, and they just are not the same things. Rest really means restorative type activities. So in the places where you're pouring out your energy, you need to do things to pour back into yourself. And that really is what rest is all about. Rest and restorative, it's right there in the word, restorative. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And, And that's the thing. When we start thinking about rest, not as just a cessation of activity, not as a vacation, not as going to bed, but what are the things that we're doing to restore the different places in our life where we pour out? Now, three out of four people when they're surveyed say that current events, COVID-19 and the pandemic has affected their rest. Yes. And that's disturbing because many people are already sleep deprived before. At this point, what, what many people are seeing is that just being home from work is not restful. I think a lot of people thought, well, if I could just work from home, I would feel so great. And they're saying that that's not necessarily the case. Because stopping activity, changing at locations, none of these things are restful unless they're restorative. And at this point, it's very difficult for many people to get the deep level of sleep that they need to feel better because their mind's staying overly active with all the media input. We're using our gadgets a lot more because if you're working from home, you're on your electronics and your, your phones and your devices more. And all of those things can lead to different rest deficits in the seven different areas that I talk about. With the increased stress that has approached our lives from every angle, people are are realizing that you can be tired in more way than just physically being tired. And that's the question that I have most of my patients answer when they come in and they say, I'm tired, check my thyroid, check my adrenals, and all of those things are normal. We really have to get an understanding of what kind of tired am I? You know, when I look at the seven types of rest, We're talking about physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, sensory, social, and creative. You can be tired in any of those areas. But if you're tired emotionally, going to bed and trying to sleep is not going to fix an emotional rest deficit. You have to fix the deficit by doing restorative activities in the area of the deficiency. So the first question is, once you've identified feeling tired, is what kind of tired am I? Yes. And for many of us, the type of tired or fatigue that we're experiencing, there's a lot of emotional and social fatigue. There's a lot of creative fatigue because we're not able to do those things that inspire us. Because That's what creative rest looks like. It's the rest that we get when we are inspired by beauty, whether that be going outside and doing, taking a walk in the park or going to the beach and being around bodies of water or in the mountains. We're not able to do as many of these things now because of the the isolation and the lockdowns that has happened. And then you add on top of that, so many of us now are spending time at our desk rather than being in office spaces where we may be walking back and forth from meetings. We're sitting for longer periods, noticing increased back ache, 
noticing a lot of different things that relate to a physical rest deficit because our bodies are getting tighter and more used to these sedentary type lifestyles where that may not have been the case three months ago. I'm Maria Morgan. We're taking a closer look at rest. Rest right in the middle of your stress, the stress of family, the stress of work, the stress of what's going on in the world these days in the news. Our guest is medical doctor, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, and she's taking a comprehensive look at the need to rest. She's written a book called Sacred Rest. Why do you call it sacred? Because for me, when I really first started looking at this, it came out of my own burnout experience. I was a young mom with two toddlers a full-time, a very active and, and growing medical practice. So I was extremely busy. I'm a type A personality, so busy is not something that I have a problem with. I have no work ethics problems. I have a problem with stopping long enough to actually enjoy the work that I've done. And so I got to this place where I just completely burned out. And when that happened, what I ended up noticing was for me, To be able to move forward, I had to start not from my medical background, but from my spiritual understanding of what rest is Mm -hmm. and why is it important. I spent um, a very long period, over a year in the book of Genesis, just going back to the very beginning to when was rest even described in, in the Bible. And it was very interesting to me that you know, on the sixth day, man was created. On the seventh day, we all know God rested. And it, it, it never dawned on me before doing this, this in-depth study on rest. What was man doing on that seventh day? Because we don't hear about work actually being done until the second chapter, after the seventh day is completely done. And I think that's the first time it dawned on me. You know, our society is built around this concept that I should, once I've worked enough, I will earn the right to rest. Where scripture gives this foundation that we, we begin on that sixth day with creation of man and God speaking into man and, you know, giving, giving kind of the mandate of who they are and the identity and what call to do. And then from that point, you don't go directly into the work. You go into a place and a time of rest. Because we're not really designed to work to earn rest. We're designed to work from our place of rest, from having already been in that place with God where we are confirmed who we are. Our identity is secured. We are then strengthened for the work that we are being sent out to do. Jesus modeled that. He did not do some of the most incredible things that he did until he'd spent some time resting. Yes, I think so many of us are trying to do work out of our exhaustion. We are pouring out back into the world and back into the lives of our families and those that we are ministering to from our place of emptiness. We are constantly saying things like, I'm so tired, I'm so fatigued, I need a vacation. And so that's the place where we're pouring into the world, where the concept is not to be pouring out of our emptiness, but it's to be pouring from our fullness, from the abundance of where we begin. And that can only come when you're in a place of rest to start. In your book, Sacred Rest, you identify seven different kinds and you've you've touched on a couple of them, mentioned a couple. Sleep is obviously one, physical rest. But let's touch on all of them briefly. I know sensory rest is one, creative rest is one. I just, let's go through and think a little bit about each of those. Yeah, so you mentioned physical. That's the one most people are already somewhat aware of with the sleeping. But sleeping and napping are just one type of physical rest. That's the passive type. Then you also need to be aware of the active types of physical rest, 
which include things like leisure walks or stretching or getting a massage. It's the things that help to restore your circulation and your lymphatics and that actually just keep your, your muscles loose and not so tense. All of that it encompasses the physical part of rest. Uh, mental rest is the next one. Mental rest is the rest we experience when our mind is able to get to that quiet place where you're not having those thoughts that are ruminating or jumping around all the time. Many people know when they have a mental rest deficit because they lay down at night and your brain kind of goes to your to-do list for the next day. Or you think about the conversation you had earlier that day and you're replaying these thoughts in your head. That's a sign that you're having a, a difficulty with mental rest. And the problem with that is, uh, I, as a physician, I see a lot of people who come to me thinking they're having early dementia because they have a hard time concentrating. Oh, my. Not that they have dementia. It's that they have a mental rest deficit. They have an inability to focus their thoughts because their mind is in a place where it's always jumping from one thing to another. You don't have dementia. That's certainly good news. Yes, and it's just a matter of retraining the brain how to go to that quiet place. And a very simple way of doing that is when we talk about meditating on the word, that's a part of it. For some people, trying to meditate on the entire scripture could even lead to some mental rest issues because it's still a lot of words to look at. I oftentimes tell my patients, when you can't get your brain to quiet down, Pick one characteristic of God that you're going to focus on. So that could be that God is peace, that he's love, that he is faithful. You choose the word that's beneficial to you and bring your thoughts back to that one word rather than letting it just jump around to whatever it decides it wants to, to hit. I'm Maria Morgan. We're taking a closer look at rest. Our guest is medical doctor, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, and she's taking a comprehensive look at the need to rest. So you physical and mental and you've touched on spiritual and then that goes beyond spiritual, emotional. Yeah, so emotional rest has to do with the rest we receive when we allow ourselves to be very open and honest with what we're feeling. So it's being authentic, not having to people please. And I think one of the, the reasons so many people struggle with this is we have a feeling that sometimes it's not polite to, or, or we're not in a safe place to share what we're feeling, but it's really a matter of making sure that you have some people in your life who you're able to just be very open and honest about what emotions you have. This is where if you're dealing with depression or anxiety or even suicidal thoughts, everybody doesn't have to know, but you need to know that you can speak to somebody, even if that's a, someone that's a counselor, someone that is trained to discuss this with you. But if when you never share that with anyone, the emotional unrest leaves you feeling like I'm not okay. I, I'm not good enough to share my experiences with others because they won't accept it or they won't accept me. And it leaves you feeling as if in some way you're unworthy, which then just takes you further down that path of shame and of guilt. We know that suicide rates and addictions are on the rise. That didn't start, as you said, with COVID-19. That was, that was a problem before. And that's really what you want to break with emotional rest. I always look at rest sometimes as reclining into something. And so emotionally, we need to be able to recline into something that emotionally that allows us to feel like we are comforted. And when you're anxious or you are depressed, 
there's there's a comfort in knowing that you don't have to hide that all the time. Another one that you identify is the need for social rest to be restored socially. Yes, most of us spend the majority of our time with people who are negatively pulling from our social energy. Not that they're negative people, it's just the nature of the relationship. So your children, your coworkers, your elderly parents, your boss, all of these people need things from you. So they are socially pulling from you. And, and many of the studies show that adults have fewer adult friends than ever. And the reason being is that the people who need things from us are a bit more demanding. We have responsibilities to them. So we tend to focus all of our time and our attention on those who are pulling from us socially, and we neglect to understand our need to be poured back into. We need those people that we can just fully kind of reveal ourselves. I, I really love um, an example from the scripture. Jesus modeled this better than anyone I've ever seen in that we look at his life and, you know, there are so many times when we see that he's out with the masses. He's surrounded by people teaching and healing and doing all of this work. And then we see the time when he breaks away with the 12 that had a deeper level of relationship with him. And then there's an example where on the Mount of Transfiguration that he is with a group of, of just three. And I think all of us need to have those levels of a breakdown within our lives. And, you know, in that experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see that, you know, it's here that the, really the fullness of who he is is first revealed. And at no point in time was Jesus ever being inauthentic or trying to be fake or phony in any way. So it's okay not for everyone to know your deepest parts of you, because there's a connection that has to happen there that, that you allow people to see those parts of you. But somebody needs to be able to see it. I'd like to remind everyone uh, that we're talking to you as, as a doctor, a medical doctor. I mean, you are concerned about these things rooted in your interest in people's physical health. I mean, they're, they're, and their longevity. Yes. I, after 20 years of clinical practice, what I found is it does my patients no good for me to focus on the spiritual if I neglect the other parts of them because they will stay in an unhealthy place. They will never reach the area of wholeness that I know is available for them. I'm Maria Morgan. Our guest is medical doctor, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. A couple of other things to round out your list of seven, You one that I identified with particularly, I had an experience recently, the sensory. I, having been home, it had been a long time since I'd been around sights and sounds and I walked into a restaurant recently because our county opened up a little bit and I went in for a socially distanced dinner and I noticed the televisions on and the lights and the people and all these things. I was like, sensory was an issue for me. A lot of people have noticed that just how much sound and noise and smells and sensory overload is a real thing. And people, a lot of people have experienced it. And that, I feel, has added to a lot of the difficulty sleeping over the past few months. Uh, the, the recent studies that came out also showed that with that difficulty sleeping, many people were feeling more anxious. And it's that excessive sensory input that leads to that, whether that's media and honestly, a lot of people, it could be something as simple as too many notifications on your phone. You know, if your phone's constantly going off and you're jumping to see, you know, what's happening now or what's going on, it creates this sense of stress and this cortisol reaction with this fight or flight response that just occurs because you are jumping to kind of respond to something. And so it's important to be aware of the different sensory inputs in your life whether that's the radio playing in the background or the TV playing when no one's watching it, 
or really just how bright the lights are in your home. If it's nighttime and we're kind of everyone's trying to wind down, it's unnecessary to have every light on in the house or your computer screen at its brightest setting. You want to start downgrading some of these sensory inputs to help your body ease into a relaxed state so that you can get higher and better quality sleep. One of the things I've noticed about rest is that it requires an action. It requires, as the Bible says, entering into rest. Um, There's a decision that has to be made to be deliberate about resting. Yes, yes. That's why I really kind of framework everything that I do around I choose my best life because there is a choice that has to be made. It has to be intentional because you won't happen into rest just by laying on the couch watching Netflix or just by saying I'm going on vacation because I think every one of us has been on vacation and left that time more exhausted than when we actually went. So I think you have to really be aware of, am I doing restorative activities? Am I doing something that's pouring back into me? Because there's a lot of things we can do that are fun, that are entertaining, but they're not really restoring anything. And so if you are feeling fatigued or drained or tired, then once you identify the area that is fatigued, that has a rest deficit, when you focus your attention on pouring back and getting restoration in that area, that's when you start noticing the difference. That's when you start feeling better. The last of the seven that you have is creative rest. Yes, this is when most people, when they hear about the first time, they're like, what? Never heard of that ever. But many people have already experienced it and had no idea what it was they were enjoying. You're someone who has ever gone to the beach or been around a body of water or up in the mountains or even in the woods hiking, and you just feel better in certain natural settings. That's what creative rest looks like. It's the rest that occurs when we allow ourselves to experience beauty in either natural or man-made beauty. Some people get very similar experiences around art museums or when they go listen to the symphony or go to a, a theatrical play. It's allowing beauty to awaken and inspire you and to have that kind of childlike awe and wonder. And so for me, it's always been bodies of water. I, for years, have never been able to explain why I feel better when I'm around bodies of water. And it's interesting because the science actually shows that for people who, who receive their creative rest from bodies of water, that the MRIs at the brain, when they check those, at, when they're looking at these either scenes of water or looking at even certain colors of blue, that there's an activation on the MRI at the brain that shows that there is something chemically happening during that time. And I think it's important for people to be aware of that because, you know, right now we can't all go to the beach. With social distancing, a lot of the things that maybe we've done, go to the lake or, the, or you know, go hang out in the park, we're not able to do the way we have in the past. But I think it's great to know that the studies, they weren't at the beach. They were looking at screenshots of the beach. Put a, a screenshot on your computer or on your laptop, um, or on your phone, lock screen, of things that inspire you. What's beautiful to you? What can you look at that helps you feel more motivated and more energized? And, you know, this creative rest isn't just for, like, artists or musicians or actors. You know, we think of those people as creatives, 
But if you're someone who has to think outside of the box, you're homeschooling mom and you've got to think about how to teach two different levels of kids. If you're someone who owns a company and you're having to be innovative and creative and think outside of the box with your marketing and how are you going to do different things to reach different people, you're using creative energy and you need creative rest. Wow. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith is my guest on Closer Look. I'm Maria Morgan. What do you find people have the hardest time understanding about this concept of rest? I think the hardest part for most people is identifying which of the seven they need most. Because as I stated, if, if, if you're just trying to get all seven, that in itself can seem overwhelming. <laughs> Especially if you're already tired, it's like, oh my goodness, she's just added seven more things to my to-do list. But no, it's not like that. But the ways that you're getting rest are usually very simple things, that simple tweaks to your day-to-day schedule. This isn't about taking a vacation or quitting your job. It's about finding intentional ways to get rest in the places where you are pouring out. And they're using just very small changes to your schedule, but it begins by identifying where your rest deficits are at. And that's what led me to creating the rest quiz because I had so many patients that once we identified that all of your labs are normal, you know, I don't find anything wrong with you, but I know that you're tired. Let's identify which of the seven you are most in need of. The free assessments at restquiz.com. And so I always have my patients start there. Find out which of the seven you are most efficient in because there's usually one or two that will be extremely high compared to the others. And then you only have to focus your attention on getting rest in the areas of your actual deficit. It doesn't sound to me that this is optional. The rest is, entering into rest is a requirement. It is if you want to have a life that's enjoyable. I think many of us have come under the understanding that fatigue and, and burnout and feeling drained and you know, I'll rest when I die kind of mentality is just the best we can do. And that has never been God's best for us. I was really convicted on this when I was reading through Isaiah chapter 30, um, 12 through 15 is where, where it talks about this. And it concludes by stating, in returning and rest shall you be saved, in quietness and trust shall be your strength. And the very last sentence it says, but you would have none of it. And when I read that, I was like, that's, that's, what I've been living. I've been living a life that felt like every blessing had to come from the work of from my own hand. If it was going to happen, I had to push it into fruition. Um, I, I always stated that, you know, I had faith in God. I trusted God, but my actions and my lack of rest showed no evidence of that. And so I think it's really important to, to evaluate what we say and does it line up with what we do? Because trusting is rest and trust really go hand in hand. You talk about the gifts that arise from valuing rest. You do reap some real benefits, some real physical, emotional, spiritual benefits from rest. Yes, absolutely. Some of the gifts that I discuss are some of the things that happen just naturally when you start being intentional about getting more rest, including the gift of boundaries. You know, when you're resting more, you actually have to learn how to say yes and no and use them effectively because otherwise you continue to do a lot of people-pleasing behavior where you're saying yes to things out of shame and guilt and pressure instead of giving a very truthful no to create those boundaries and to prioritize how you're spending your time. In addition to that, when you start in including more restful type activities in your day, 
you start getting much higher quality sleep, which for many people helps everything, including their blood pressure, their cholesterol, their ability to concentrate and to be ener- feel energized. And then on top of that, when you think about reflection, which is one of the gifts of rest, for most of us, if you are a goal-oriented, high-achiever type person, you have a tendency to always be thinking about the next goal without taking a moment to stop to really appreciate what has already been accomplished. And so there's, that's a gift in itself, that gift of reflection to be able to look back and see what you accomplished without always feeling like you have to push to the next thing. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith is my guest on Closer Look. I'm Maria Morgan. How does that look in your own life? Do you get to a point where you suddenly realize, oh, here I am. This is, this is where I've pushed myself. Yeah, that, that's, that's how I started this whole process. I started this whole journey um, 10 years ago when my kids were both toddlers. And I remember picking them up from daycare. It was after a, a normal 60-hour week as an internal medicine physician working both the ER and the hospital ICUs. And I remember just sitting them in front of the TV on that particular day and just stretching out on the, the foyer floor at my house. You know, and, and it was one of those interesting situations because I'd always had this vision of what I wanted my life to be like when I grew up. I wanted, a, you know, the big house and the kids and the husband and the car and, the, and the, the MD jobs. And I had all of those things. And in that moment, laying on the floor, I was like, you know, God, if this is as good as it gets, if this is success, this isn't what I wanted. And that was a very sobering moment um, because that had been, you know, 30 years of my life up to that point when I was on that floor and I'm like, I've worked all this time to get here and it doesn't feel successful. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. And that was the wake up call that it required for me. And I've had so many patients who the young woman I met in the ICU after she'd had a car accident and she had what I call an enforced rest. Her lack of rest had actually led her into a car accident because her, re- her response time was horrible. She was zoning out as she was commuting, you know, on this major interstate because that was the only time she had to herself. And, and it's really interesting when I, you know, look at some of these different examples and how low some of us have to get before we finally realize that rest is not optional. We, you can burn it at the candle at both ends. But eventually you will burn out. And then it's, it's what being at risk in that process. So I love trying to inject kind of the knowledge of this earlier in people's lives so that they don't have to get to that place. What would you consider the central message, your central message? Is it that rest is not optional? Is it or is it something else? The number one thing I try to help people understand is that rest equals restoration. Because I think without that understanding that rest isn't just the cessation of activity and it's not simply going on vacation or quitting your job, that none of those things will get you the rest that you're needing. You really have to get to the point of understanding what restores you, what fills you back up. And I think for many of us, we've never even thought about it. We, we're in poor mode. We're constantly pouring our lives out and we never stop long enough to think about what, how do I get filled back up in these seven different areas? Is there anything you feel like we didn't cover that we need to before we end? No, I would just challenge people to really, to really get intentional 
about where they're at. Um, the very first step, I think, is always that self-analysis, that self-assessment. And if the quickest way to know if you have any type of rest deficit, if you're going to sleep at, and you're getting, you know, six, seven, eight hours, you're getting a fair amount of hours of sleep and you wake up the next morning and you're still tired or within a couple of hours of being up, you feel like you need the mega cup of coffee to keep going, there's a rest deficit and it's likely not physical. There's something else going on and you just have to be open to allowing yourself to to do that self-analysis to see what needs to be restored. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, medical doctor and the author of Sacred Rest. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you.